Welcome to the Make Dementia Your Bitch podcast. I'm Dr. Rita Jablonski, a nurse practitioner and researcher with over 30 years of experience working with people who have dementia and their family and formal carers. I explain why behaviors happen, what the behaviors mean, and how to best handle them. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes and is no substitute for medical advice or care. Welcome to episode 15, Tony Bennett, Salmon Patties, and Fridge Worms, How to Maintain Functions in Persons with Dementia. And I think you're all going to really like this episode. A couple of weeks ago, Tony Bennett had done a concert with Lady Gaga. In spite of severe memory loss, Mr. Bennett gave a flawless performance, and if you haven't caught this on YouTube, see it. It's great. He is an example of procedural memory. In Mr. Bennett's case, he had sang these songs thousands of times over decades. His library of songs in his brain is an example of an overlearned skill. For most of us, skills like reading are overlearned. We learn to read in preschool or kindergarten and then read every day for the rest of our lives. Overlearned skills are, can be maintained even in severe dementia. Ultimately, we do lose a lot of things, but it's also important, and I'm going to talk about this in today's podcast, to have people with dementia continue to do as much as they can for as long as they can. So let me give you an, an example. Every time we do a specific activity, we reinforce the neural network that is responsible for the activity. Think of it this way. It's morning and I walk my dog across my lawn. I turn around and I see my footprints and Amira's dog prints in the wet grass. When we come back from our walk about 20, 30 minutes later, footprints are gone. The grass has sprung back into its original shape. This is kind of what happens in the brain when we do something once and never do it again, or only do it once a year or once every couple of years. The memory path is very faint, for those tasks, or the memory path completely disappears. On the other hand, if we do something daily or multiple times a day, we create literal roads in the brain that are made of layers of neurons. These roads are similar to the path in my yard where no grass grows. The previous owner who lived here for 25 years always had dogs. They ran around the yard along the fence line. This constant dog traffic has created a well-worn dirt path. Now, my dog runs around the same yard, and she is reinforcing that dirt path. If we were to move tomorrow and a new a owner bought the house and the new owner didn't have dogs, the dirt path may become grown over with grass and weeds, but it's going to take time, probably at least a year, for the grass and the other plants to completely erase the dirt path. So if you think about the damage that happens in the brain because of Alzheimer's or other dementias, you can picture those plaques and tangles as literally 
growing over the paths we have in our brain and choking out the memories. Now, in the case of Tony Bennett, his wife encouraged him to sing daily, listen to his music, and look at photo albums to keep his memory roads clear and working. Her efforts helped him to maintain his access to all of his memories that helped him to perform at his concert. When he stepped on that stage and he heard the applause of the audience, he saw the audience, the lights went up, all of those environmental cues triggered pathways to these procedural memories. And the neat thing about procedural memories is they can literally run almost on as autopilot in our minds. So well-meaning family and formal caregivers sometimes start to overdo for persons living with dementia. They say things like, I don't want her to get hurt, so I'll tell her to stop walking. Or I don't want him to feel embarrassed, so I'll dress him. Or it is just so much easier if I do and then fill in the blank. What people do not realize is that once a person with dementia forgets how to do an activity or task, he or she is rarely able to relearn it. There just aren't enough nerve cells and brain chemicals to knit together a new memory. And I had some experience as a caregiver where I saw that in action. In 2014, I very stupidly remarried and became the carer for my now ex-husband's mother, who happened to have dementia. When I first met Mary, she was sitting in her bathrobe in a recliner. She had just lost her husband of 60-plus years, and she appeared to be a very frail, sad, almost bird-like woman, very delicate. She needed a walker to ambulate around the house, and all she ever did was walk back and forth from the bathroom. Her son was extremely concerned that she would fall and injure herself, so he constantly told her to sit down, like every 10 freaking minutes. If he found her standing or walking around the house, he would fuss. Go sit down before you hurt yourself and she was miserable. When I became her caregiver, I encouraged her to move around my house. I wanted to find things that Mary would enjoy doing. At the time, her son traveled extensively for his work and was gone for days at a time. Without his constant fussing, Mary was a completely different person. One of the first things I started was taking her out for weekly outings, and we started with a shopping trip for an updated wardrobe. She had lost a lot of weight, and everything she owned was several sizes too big. Once we bought her some outfits, Mary was thrilled. She ditched that bathrobe, and every morning she would get dressed and show off her new outfits, and it was really a lot of fun. I discovered that Mary had been an avid and talented gardener. She would talk about her flowers and plants for hours. But she really couldn't go up and down stairs to get to the garden. 
she was very unsteady on the ground because the ground was uneven. So I adapted. I brought the garden to her. I went to Walmart, bought several plastic tubs, and I put them on my back deck. We put potting soil in the tubs, and we planted herbs and flowers in them. We would go out every evening after dinner, and she would water or weed the tubs. I mean, sometimes she was pulling out, leaving the weeds and pulling out the plants, but it wasn't about successful plants. It was about Mary enjoying a hobby, Mary enjoying herself, having meaningful activity. After that, we would sit out on the deck and read together. Mary started washing dishes and helping with light housework. Now, I usually had to go behind her and redo it, but the again, it wasn't getting the stuff done that was the goal. It was Mary interacting. She started to gain weight. She became visibly stronger, and she seemed much happier. She still had the dementia. It didn't go away. But having her on a schedule and keeping her active with stuff that she liked and she wanted to do, and that's the operative word here, a lot of families will keep somebody active and they'll give that person living with dementia stuff to do, but it's not anything the person living with dementia would want to do. But I learned that keeping Mary active with activities that meant something to her helped her stay fairly independent with her own care. She was declining, but we were slowing the slope down. We were slowing down the decline. And I have to go back to meaningful activities that the person enjoys. I don't think Tony Bennett would have liked it if his wife decided to teach him how to knit or if she decided one of his activities that he should do every day was not music, but he should maybe wash dishes or do laundry. And I see well-meaning family members thinking that their loved one should stay busy and they give them activities that the loved one does not enjoy. I have seen some women with advanced dementia enjoy holding a baby doll. They, and I know there's controversy about that, but they have this baby doll and they seem happy with it. I've also seen people with severe dementia gravitate toward a stuffed cat or dog, and they like that stuffed animal. If I were to get dementia and you were to hand me a baby doll, I'd probably throw it across the room. But if you were to give me some type of computer or pad I, or tablet, I would probably be entertained with that for a while because it's stuff I enjoy. Shoot, maybe my kids, should I get dementia, will set me up with a fake podcast studio and I'll just sit there and talk for hours. Again, it has to be meaningful to the person with dementia. So going back to Mary, every time her son returned from his business trips, he would fuss at both of us because of Mary's mobility. She's going to fall and break something. Nah, 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 nah. What he failed to realize was that his care, his restriction, was not only making her more unhappy and depressed, <laughs> and me too, he was increasing her risk of falling 
because he was keeping her from walking around regularly. He was stealing away her ability to do things. When a person with dementia stops doing a task, they risk forgetting how to do that activity. As the disease moves on, they are unable to remake those memories. So another thing I learned is that Mary always used to make salmon patties on Fridays. It was Fish Friday. When I encouraged her to make her salmon patties or to help with our tub garden, I was keeping her procedural memories, her task memories alive. I was pushing away the day where she would become dependent on others for care. And speaking of salmon patties, Mary made them every Friday for as long as she lived with us. And sadly, she died from congestive heart failure eight months after I became her caregiver. I'm grateful for the experience because it humbled me and enhanced my ability to help family caregivers. Mary showed me that meaningful activities are very important for people living with dementia. I learned to modify her favorite activities so that she could engage in pleasurable hobbies. Who cares if the flowers get pulled out but the weeds are left there? I actually had a family member become upset because the person they were caring for who had dementia was given an adult coloring book. And this person, instead of coloring the pictures, took the pencils and crayons and started drawing pictures on the pages. And the family caregiver was so upset. You're not doing that right. Who the fuck cares? They have dementia. Leave them alone. If they're happy, let it go. One way to support abilities is a strategy called chaining, which means you start the activity and they finish. For example, you could place the colored pencil in a person's hand and guide their hand to start coloring the picture. Release and see if the person will continue the activity. It is like priming a pump, and it usually works. The sad thing is, abilities that are not consistently used will be lost forever. Because of the changes in the brain from dementia, new memories may not be able to be created. So I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about a little more about meaningful activities as outlets to preserve function. So don't go away and come on back after the break. Welcome back. So I'd like to talk about meaningful activities as outlets to preserve function. People with dementia are vibrant, wonderful people who happen to have a little or maybe a lot of forgetfulness. Here's the take-home message, though. That drive, that search for meaning, that desire for affection, that desire to be heard, all of those drivers remain. 
what changes is that the outlets for the expression of these important desires and drives get cut off by the dementia, regardless of the type. The loss of these outlets create anger, frustration, irritability, and other behaviors. Sensitive and meaningful interactions with others can reduce the isolation felt by people with dementia and can also help maintain their function. My son, Mark, is an avid fisherman. When he lived at home, he kept his bait, those big, red, gross nightcrawlers, in the garage fridge, which also happened to be where I kept the overflow food and I used to defrost items. So, warning, this next part is really, really gross. So, if you have a weak stomach, you may want to maybe fast forward a few seconds. Once Saturday, I go into the garage to pull out some ground meat that I had defrosted and I opened the garage fridge door and there were freaking ginormous night crawlers all over the fucking fridge. I mean, everywhere. I lost my shit. Stephen King couldn't make this stuff up. Apparently, the night crawlers were either very hungry or were seeking an escape route, or a combo of both. Apparently, Mark hadn't closed the plastic lid on the foam container tightly, and the container lid was still kind of on the foam container, but it was pushed up. So they had squeezed out of the foam container by pushing the plastic lid up and then crawled out. And here's another fun fact. Those fuckers can scrunch themselves up so that they appear to be an inch long, but they can stretch out to, I kid you not, nearly a foot. I found this out because all had stretched out to their maximum capacity. Some were stretched out within the folds of the white accordion gasket that lines the edge of the refrigerator door. Others had tunneled through the plastic wrap of the hamburger meat and were chowing down. A couple of outliers were channeling their inner Spider-Man by hanging on the sides of the fridge. I kid you not. I think there were 20 of these damn things, so I'm not sure if they had had a warm orgy, if they had invited friends, or if they had engaged in cellular division. At the time of this incident, the fridge was relatively new and in great working order other than needing to be dewormed, so tossing it out was not an option. And at the time, I couldn't afford to throw out a relatively new refrigerator. After unleashing my volcanic temper and spewing language that could melt titanium, I handed Mr. Mark a bucket, some rags, and bleach and I put him in charge of Operation Worm Cleanup. I felt bad a few minutes later after the initial eruption of Mount Rita, so I wound up helping Mark. It was mother-son bonding time, yay. 
And as I was picking out these worms, well, no, I made him pick out the worms, but I cleaned the surfaces. I suddenly thought, wow, these worms are such a great metaphor for dementia-related behaviors. And here's why. The night crawlers did not have a meeting and decide to freak out the redheaded human. They were being worms. And what do worms do? Worms crawl around and worms eat stuff. Worms don't like being stuck in little foam containers. I created the situation by allowing the hungry worms to be in the fridge in the first place and then placing food in their vicinity. The person with dementia does not do things to piss off the caregiver. The individual's personality and drive and need for a purpose remain. Dementia keeps those pieces boxed inside the person. Just like the worms, the person with dementia wants an outlet for that drive and energy, but is not able or no longer able to channel these existing desires into appropriate, for us, appropriate venues. If I do not provide an outlet for that energy, drive, or purpose, then I create a problematic situation for the person living with dementia. If the environment is not a good fit for the person's personality, you will see behaviors that may not make sense, may be dangerous, or may increase the effort of caregiving. The trick here is to provide outlets by providing safe activities that are aligned with the person's pre-dementia personality, occupation, and favorite hobbies. And I talked about bringing the garden to Mary. That activity may have to be modified to make it safe. For example, I have a neighbor with dementia who was an active gardener. He still loves to mow the lawn, like multiple times a day. No matter how hot it is outside, there he is mowing his lawn. He will not stop until the mower runs out of gas. His wife was terrified that he would become dehydrated, he would pass out from heat stroke, or he would get injured from the mower. When his wife tried to bar him from mowing the lawn, he became extremely angry. So his wife gave up and let him mow the lawn to his heart's content. Knowing what I do for a living, my neighbor's wife asked me for some ideas. I recommended a cordless electric lawnmower with the blades removed. I happen to own two electric lawnmowers, and that's another story for another day. I know from personal experience that you are lucky if the battery lasts an hour, even less on hot days. Their son took my advice and bought dad a new cordless electric mower for Father's Day. Son also removed the blades as an added precaution. Now, my neighbor mows for about an hour and the mower stops. He takes it into the garage where his wife pulls out the battery and puts it on the charger. It takes several hours for the battery to charge, which creates a mandatory break. Win-win 
everyone is happy. And if you have night crawlers in your fridge, feed them cornmeal. If we had done that, the little fuckers probably would have stayed in their container and not have cruised all over my fridge. So thank you for listening. I enjoyed hanging out with you today. And together, let's make dementia our bitch. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Please rate and review on your favorite podcast platform so other dementia caregivers can find this podcast. If you are a caregiver for someone with dementia and need help understanding and dealing with these behaviors, please contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Make Dementia Your Bee, or email me, info at makedementiayourbitch.com.